okay? Hi, everybody, and welcome to the newcomers. My name is Ashley. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Ashley. And it has been... I can feel my heart kind of beating in my chest, so I'm just going to say that out loud. I've spoken so many times over the years, and yet it's still exciting, and, um, you know, I still get nervous. Um, But I'm just asking God, you know, to speak through me, because I know it goes a lot better than me wanting to have my own self-will and make it, you know, the best speech you've ever heard because that's what that's really what my ego um wants so just putting that out there um so it's been 15 years since I came into my first OA meeting and I'll be celebrating 14 years of abstinence next month and I'll start with a little bit of what it was like and you know I do have so much hope and so much um you know, joy and recovery today that sometimes I lose touch of what it was like. Um, I think that's why we need, we need to stay close to each other as new t- newcomers and longtime members, um, just so we can stay right there with, with um, remembering the pain and the suffering and remembering, um, you know, to be grateful for really the recovery that I have today. So I did some digging last night and I found an old journal entry, which I'm going to read just a part of, um, that was right, it was either the week before I came into OA in 2004, 15 years ago, and I haven't seen it since last night, so I wanted to share that with you this morning to give you a little bit of an idea of what it was like for me. I act to purposefully sabotage my happiness It is a daily battle that I rarely win, and yet I still won't let go. It is said that there is an alcoholic in every family, and it's me. Only alcohol is not my drug of choice. My drug of choice is food. Fears and worry disable me every day. And when they're not there, and the punishment is not there, I don't know what to do with myself. How can I thrive on such self-destructive behaviors? Today I'm still carrying the guilt of my overeating yesterday and the day before and the day before. And I am absolutely miserable. Mm -hmm. In a journal entry a few days before that, I read, you know, this frustration and anger and reaching out to God saying, you know, I want to get better and where is the solution? And thinking back about it and looking about my higher power's presence in my life, um, it was just a month after that prayer, you know, reaching out to God saying, where are you? What is the solution for me not being able to stop eating? Then I found a way, you know, and that's really, my higher power has really had me from the the get-go. Um... So to tell you what it was like, and I think I'll do 10, 5, and 5, because I forgot it was 20 minutes. What it was like was that there was so much pain and so much depression um, in the mix of overeating every day, except for at the beginning of the day, I would say today is going to be the first day I don't overeat. I'm going to stick with this diet plan. I'm going to eat X amount of calories and 
by midday, I'd eaten all the amount of calories that I had allotted for that day, and I was just ready to say, F it. You know, I am going to eat whatever I want, and I'll have a new day tomorrow. And it was that cycle of, of pain and misery for, I would say, a good few years. At one point in college, I, um, I kind of toyed with the exercise bulimia, and I remember really trying to keep it together during the day and have a full life, um, and I was really hiding this problem with food, this overeating, and then, um, and then over-exercising to kind of keep the weight off. And I remember being in the gym at my college gym um, in Southern California, till one o'clock in the morning, just, you know, after hours of exercise. Um, luckily, that didn't last long, but after I put that down, I just gained weight, you know, every year, gained more and more weight, to the point of graduating from college, being back home with my parents, and really hitting rock bottom, being in um, a deep depression, not wanting to see anybody in my hometown because I had gained so much weight, and and then finding my first OA meeting. So I'm gonna pass around my pictures, and it, it shows a few of the pictures before program and then a lot of the pictures after program. Um, So at my first OA meeting, I thought that I just wanted to find a solution for food. Um, I thought I had everything else kind of together, but I was really living with this um, unawareness about family dysfunction and um, really the inability to have, to feel my feelings and emotions. I'll tell you a little bit about my family. Is my family, they're really wonderful, dysfunctional people. Um, there was a lot of um, inner conflict and fighting, but on the outside, it was, you know, we pretended like we were like the family of the year and very well known in, the, in our uh, community and um, kind of like the perfect Epperson. So that was my maiden name. And, uh, and that was a painful place to be because I didn't even realize that we lived in such dysfunction and. Um, a verbal abuse between my parents. Um, my dad is an active addict, alcoholic, um, rageaholic. Um, and I didn't even know that was abnormal until, you know, leaving the home in my 20s and that sort of thing. So what I found when I came into OA was, you know, this problem with food that I thought, um, if I could just fix this, everything would be better. And Thank you, God, that I didn't find the food solution when I first got into the rooms. I really found the spiritual part of recovery. I remember feeling like my world got tipped on its axis, on its axis with thinking that, man, my family and everything I knew isn't the way that it seemed. And, um, you know, we really couldn't deal with conflict. We would brush everything under the rug. Um, I couldn't have feelings, you know, we're a bunch of fixers and perfectionists. So the second I had a negative feeling, it was like one of my parents, well-meaning parents, would swoop in and try to fix it so that they can feel more comfortable. And I see that now in my parenting role where my default is to be like that and I have to 
constantly fight against that urge. I'll go more into to that a little bit later. So I started working the steps and I started working with a sponsor and my sponsor has since passed away, my, my early, earliest sponsor. And I remember she was just this beacon of light. After one of the meetings and I started the program in San Luis Obispo, we went for, it was almost like, it's almost like a being present kind of walk. We went for a walk and my idea of a walk was to like get as much exercise as possible <laughs> um, so I could, you know, have a negative count for my calories. And, and she walked about, you know, just this slow, and she'd point out the flowers and the plants and the beautiful things around us, and I went, what is going on? You know, this is a bizarre way to be. And um, she really embodied, like, just taking the joy in the, the small things, and she was so present in the moment, and, and I could see now my life reflecting more of that than the other in many ways, um, you know, really appreciating nature and the beauty and finding, finding God there. So I started working the steps. I didn't get abstinent. Um, oh yeah, I wanted to share this. I didn't get abstinent for a good year and a half. And I know that there are people in this room who um, are still struggling with, um, you know, finding their abstinence and they're sticking it out. And I just say, it's gonna happen eventually. Um, my story had to happen like it did because I think I would have taken the tools of the food stuff and left all the rest of it, like the true spiritual recovery, um, working through the relational hard stuff, figuring out how to do life with owning my part and forgiveness. Is that, it's been 10? Okay. Um, and so, you know, in retrospect, as much as that struggle was to stop binging, I binged for a year and a half in program. Um, I'm thankful for it today. So flash forward, I went to nursing school post-college, and the food was still working me. Um, I thought that I could, I thought that I could eat anything in program and still have abstinence based on a spiritual recovery and then I found out that that wasn't the case that there were true foods that really worked me and I remember getting a care package from my mom that was because I found out I was celiac disease I had celiac and I'm also a type 1 diabetic so the, these were sugar-free gluten-free dairy-free muffins you know full of love that my mom sent me as a care package and I couldn't eat one. I ate half the batch. I called my soon-to-be sponsor, who's now been my sponsor for um, 14 years, and I met her in LA, and, um, and she was on the phone with me, and she had me throw these muffins down the garbage disposal, and I was bawling my eyes out, just like I just sat, um, here's the image, let go and let God. You know, just like all my self-will, like I can't, I can't do it. You know, I can't let go of this food. Like it's everything to me. Um, and so I found that I had to abstain from certain foods, those I identified with her help. Um, and then I said, just one day at a time. Okay, one day at a time, I could get... You know, I could stop eating this certain food. 
Um, and then I thought, gosh, how do you get years of this? And she said it was just one day at a time, just stacked up next to each other until the point that you just lose track. You know, you lose count, and next month will be 14 years, one day at a time. And the idea of thinking about letting go of this one substance forever and ever was way, way, way too hard for me to handle. But I could do it just for today. I'm not going to eat that. So um, I have found in the last 14 years the most uh, freedom and fun and full life that I could imagine. I, um, a few other touch points I wanted to mention is, well, for one, I, I'm an addict to my core. Um, and I wrote down, I could, be, I could be in Love Addicts Anonymous. I definitely qualify for Al-Anon, um, CODA, and ACA. And then I think, I think I could actually be um, in AA as well. That's a little bit part of my story, too. But I'm going, I don't want to spend my whole life in meetings. So this, I think, is my primary um, addiction. And when I find today, so I work, um, I work a spiritual program, and I also work with others. And that's been one of the highlights of my life. So once you let go of the food, or whatever the addictive thing is for that day, we have to have something to replace it. And... You know, it really talks in the 12 and 12 about, you know, the real joy of recovery is working with others and seeing others recover. So I wanted to read a little excerpt about that. Some of us have tried to follow our program in isolation and we have been able, we have been unable to keep our emotional balance and our abstinence. Had this been possible, we might not be here today to carry the message to newcomers. We would have missed the best part of the 12 steps for the greatest joy of recovery comes to us when we share our OA program with others. And um, the other place that mentions it in the 12 and 12. The principle of service which underlies OA's 12th step can now guide our actions both inside and outside of the program. Here we experience the great truth that when we let go of our need to control people and simply allow our higher power to serve others through us, we receive an abundance of joy and strength. Um, and that's also kind of um, an impulse that I, that I kind of, um, not fight against, but I just watch of, you know, wanting to fix somebody so that I feel better, that sort of thing. Even in recovery, that's kind of like a, a delicate point. So um, I mentioned for a second that I'm an addict through and through, and I want to mention a little bit about my relationship with my husband and meeting my husband. So I was one of those like real drama addicts too, where I would go from the one guy to the next guy, and it was never somebody who was fully committed or even interested in me that much, but I loved the chase of it and I loved the game, and I loved, loved trying to get the attention, and that was so exciting to me. And so when I met Brian, who's my husband, I thought, you know, he had so much love, he was just, he was just open, 
He was normal and stable and loving. And he called me every day when we first started dating and I thought something had to be wrong with him. And I literally tried to break up with him every day for like two years. Um, but I think in that, in that time I look back on it and I think there was some healthy part of myself that kind of hung in there. Some part of me that said, you know, I am worthy of love and belonging. I am worthy of somebody who treats me really well. And I have to say that God knew my path, you know, knew exactly what I needed. Um, he's also a type 1 diabetic, and um, we support each other. And it's just so amazing, you know. And I think of, for a while, we described him as my abstinent meal versus the chocolate cake. <laughs> my, my, um, my sponsor and I. And I thought, I don't want my abstinent meal. Um, but this, he's really what I need. And um, it's just a beautiful, healthy relationship. And um, I also got pregnant and had a child in this program, some of you might remember. And oh man, that brings up all sorts of other stuff. And, um, you know, around control and whatnot. And I have to constantly remember remind myself to let him have his feelings. Um, you know, I described there's some funny moments where it's like, you know, my first reflex if he's upset is like, okay, like, let's go to the fridge, you know, and then it's like, no, we can't do that. You know, let's just move through these feelings. And so I'm, I'm not a fully formed parent. You know, when you have kids, you're not fully formed. You're still learning. Um, there's so much grace and there's so much um, room for growth. And I don't think I could have looked at myself in that way. Even a few years ago, he's six now. Mm -hmm. Even a few years ago, I would have said, like, I was terrified of just messing him up in life. Mm -hmm. I thought, I can't do anything wrong. I was not okay with being an imperfect parent. And today I see it really differently. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he had a little moment this week at summer camp where he was ashamed or embarrassed about something that happened related to like a pool thing um and I got to kind of say like just kind of be with him in that space rather than um I really wanted to change it and make it better for him but then it's like I have these great reminders from you all that you know if we swoop in and and um you know prevent somebody from experiencing any strife what's that really going to equip him with so I'm still learning so much you guys um, my higher power okay so to stay in touch with my higher power is essential and there's a few ways that I can gauge if I'm not connected and one of them is that I still think my food even in my abstinence and it's not perfect there's still a food on my food plan that I'm having to think about and talk to my sponsor about mm -hmm. but it's no binging is, was my bottom line abstinence for um, 14 years next month and um, so when I think my food is going to fix it or I'm looking still to my food as like, oh, I need this like for some type of pleasure or something, it's like, okay, wait a second, redirect to, you know, the God of my understanding who can fill my every desire and um, give me so much joy. And then it's really turning to somebody who needs some, some help. And that's really where the joy comes. Um, the other, the other way, the gauge 
for knowing if I'm connected to my higher power is that um, if I'm not laughing. Mm -hmm. So I can really truly see my connection to my higher power. I'm laughing a lot. I'm seeing the lighter things of life. I'm like a heavy does it kind of person. Um, That's my natural state. But in recovery, I I have some of, um, there's some levity and lightness and um, I love to laugh. So that's another way that I know I'm, I'm not connected. I just wanted to end with the question of what has OA given you? Um, for me, it's, it's uh, amazing relationships today with my parents and my family, and that's not because they've changed. You know, that's because I've changed in my way of relating. Um, that really, if you look at the, the trajectory, has gone from blame and anger to true acceptance and going, oh my gosh, you're a struggling addict too. I get you. Um, Close friendships in these rooms beyond my wildest dreams. Uh, Confidence in speaking. Oh my goodness, in my work life. It's like, you know, it's 15 years of free public speaking practice. Um, Uh, But I have to be careful during introductions in work meetings, right? (laughs) So I'll just close with that. What has OA given you today? Thanks for letting me share. Now is the time for our seven traditions. Our group expenses include 